X-Rated. This is a podcast by two guys who used to date, but now they don't. I'm one half of your hosting team, Matt Fisher. I'm the other half, Ryan Whedon. And this week we have a very special guest, one Mr. John Coons. Hello. Hello, boys. Uh, or welcome. as Jinx Monsoon once dubbed you, Johnny Kunani. Yes, Johnny Kunani, one of my many <laughs> nicknames that didn't actually catch on, but somehow still keep turning. I, I l- always love that one. So, <laughs> So John Coons is... A jack of all trades, if you will. Uh, he can act. He can sing. I've never seen him dance, but I'm sure he's got some soft shoe in him. I'm demonstrating right now. It's a podcast. You can't see. I just went into a full split. Yeah. It's hard on the carpet, but you know. <laughs> well, John will be able to explain what he does better than I will. Why don't you tell us what you do? You're like, how how do you actually how do you survive? How do you count? Yeah. How, what is a John Coons? <laughs> how do you solve a problem like a John Coons? Why is John Coons? Go. <laughs> Those, that's a dissertation right there. <laughs> You're like, how do your parents describe you when they have to half apologize for what they've brought into the world? Um I am an opera singer. I uh, do musical theater as well. I am an actor. I'm a playwright. Uh, I am an educator. I work with students from ages three to 87 is my oldest student I've had. Wow. I'm a creative arts whore. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If you've got a gig, I can probably do it for money. What around ta- in the greater Seattle area could someone have seen you in? I did the Seattle Opera's touring production for two and a half years. I have been in uh, shows with Village Theater, with the Fifth Avenue. I did uh, Assassins was the big kind of critical darling uh, of a certain season. Um, I had a one-man show for a while that I toured on both coasts and took to New York, and it became a web series. And which show was described as bland that oh, you oh, hated yes. so much? I got, a, I got a sterling review. I was actually, this, the, I don't know if I told you this, I did an Ibsen play called Ghosts uh, Arts West with an amazing cast and an amazing production, but it was my first Ibsen, and the, the role I was playing was borderline melodramatic, uh, had to fall in love with my half-sister, had to be dying of syphilis, had to have a big fight scene with my mother on stage where I throw her across stage, We've all had been to be there. drunk, mm-hmm. had to try to put out a fire of an orphanage. Uh, and you're and like, this story was based on me. Exactly. <laughs> it was just all personal. I'm a method actor, so I like went and burned down an orphanage. And, uh, and through your mother. Got syphilis. Uh, yeah. Oh, and then I, then I have a syphilitic seizure at the end. This is after I've thrown my mother across stage and then handed her a bottle of uh, opioids to say, here, kill me if I have another one of these. So I was afraid that I was going to get, you know, pegged for being too over the top. (laughs) And instead, actually, uh, I was described by the Seattle Times as bland, (laughs) especially in my early scenes. So and I said, well, you know, actually, this is the greatest review I ever <laughs> hoped to have. But have you ever played Jesus? That's my real question. Oh, oh, not only I have played Jesus in Jesus Christ Superstar, and in the same year, I also played, to show you she's got the range, uh, I played Jesus, Hitler, and myself, which I think falls somewhere in the middle in the same, in the same year. Wow. So, yeah. What was the Hitler role? Well, actually, it technically wasn't Hitler. It was only half of Hitler. It was an experimental chamber opera um, that was all set in Magda Goebbels' head. Uh, Joseph so Goebbels' Joseph wife? Goebbels yeah. wife was obsessed with Hitler, couldn't marry Hitler, so married Joseph Goebbels instead. Wow. Had six kids, uh, named all of them starting with an H in homage to Hitler. And then in the Fuhrer bunker, when she realized that her kids were going to be raised in a world where Hitler wasn't 
the you know grand leader of everything, she killed them all with cyanide in their sleep. Mm. Fuhrer bunker sounds like my manscaping procedure. <laughs> yes. You're like, oh no, I got to stay in and you know really landscape the Fuhrer bunker this week. But anyway, so in the whole thing takes place in her head, and it's this kind of like Medea esque kind of riff type thing. Okay. And in her head, there are two Hitlers. There is Hitler as leader, which is like you know the you know political force that he was. Sure. And then um, there is Hitler as lover, the vegetarian painter. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. So clearly, I, uh, I played Hitler as lover. Fun story, I then went and auditioned for Music of Remembrance, which is a local Jewish remembrance music group, and they were doing this <laughs> piece that was written in the camps in Kriesenstadt. And um, I did not get that role. When I looked at my resume, so yeah. You did the the Hitler role in the quaint old days when we thought Nazis weren't a problem anymore. Right, right, when you're like, oh, them, that old hat, you know. Uh, but, you know, it, it's just I was looking forward. I'm, I'm always on the cutting edge. Just, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're uh, auditioning for uh, op- operatic production of Indiana Jones and you're going out for the villain. You're like, exactly. can't wait to find out what it is. <laughs> Actually, they brought me in for short round. And uh, I, I, I just didn't, it didn't work you're out. You're too tall. I am 6'2", for those on the podcast who can't see my considerable length. <laughs> but uh, these days I am currently doing a chamber opera with the Seattle Opera, O&E, which is is their take on uh, Orpheus and Eurydice, um, the, the Gluck opera. And it is uh, set in modern times, a new modern English translation, and the two are actually a married lesbian couple. Hmm. And, uh, and we're doing it in Pride Month uh, with help from the Pride Foundation. It's all very, yes, well. No. <laughs> yes, well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, indeed. So I've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a while. We've known each yes. other for a couple of years. And I used to have this obsession with like aligning our guests to be somehow thematically in line with the movie that we're doing. But your schedule is so hard to peg down because you're always doing a bunch of things. Yes. And I saw that you'd be traveling this summer. And I was just like, fuck it. If John is free this Monday, he's going to be on the podcast. <laughs> See, I really hoped that actually you saw Mother's Voice and you're like, you know what? <laughs> the perfect guest who is just, you know, zeroed in. Just uh, light bulb over the head. I'm like, I there's mean, one unique God, what voice What do you in this. think of John then, if that's the case? <laughs> Hitler is lover. Hitler is lover. In my mind. <laughs> Today's movie is 1994's Mother's Boys. It's a sexy shocker in the vein of wait, your... I, wait, we need to give credit to Tim real fast. <laughs> I, so, uh, Tim, my partner, is sick of me saying erotic thrillers. And so, uh, just because all season long, I guess I've been saying it a lot. And so he says, please call them sexy shockers from now on. I so. just have this image of you a la Arrested Development when uh, Lucille Bluth is like saying tingly. Like, uh, you being like, erotic thrillers. <laughs> We've been watching erotic thrillers and I can't wait. There's going to be another erotic thriller this week and I need to pick an erotic thriller myself. I'm really glad you brought up Arrested Development because that's going to come back later. Put a pin in that, listener. Oh, oh okay. okay. So yeah, Mother's Boys, it is a rightly forgotten erotic thriller from 1994. Jamie Lee Curtis did this the same year that she did True Lies. So this is like kind of opposite ends of the spectrum here. Give that agent a raise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis, her her career's seen some hills and valleys here, you know. She started out doing independent features, clawed her way up through 
Scream Queen territory. Mm-hmm. You'll have to cut in that part in a scream when uh, Jamie Kenny's like, she never showed her tits till she went legit. She goes full everything basically in yeah. here, and God, what a movie to choose. <laughs> <laughs> The premise of the movie is that Jamie Lee Curtis was married to Peter Gallagher, had a couple of uh, younglings, and they she split. She couldn't handle the the pressure I of mean, being a mom. I mean, you guys say this. It is never explained why <laughs> she leaves. People in, don't ask her, too. People don't even ask her. They barely ask her, where did you go? And she's like, Europe. Paris. Yeah, Paris. Milan. <laughs> New York. And then New York. And then I came back. They're not divorced yet, but he has filed for divorce, which is like what sparked her to come back. Yeah. He's gone on. Peter Gallagher has like gone on, found a new love, wants to marry her, needs to get the divorce. And this like kickstarts her like sociopathic tendencies and, you know, just wants her family back and will do anything that it takes to get there. Especially Cass? Cass? Cass or Cass? I think it was Cass. Cass. Cass? That's a a problematic name for me. (laughs) They say it, I count, like, I counted about a hundred times, I think. (laughs) This suffers from like Extro and Tony, where like they just kept saying oh. the kid's name over and Tony. over. Tony. 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 But instead, this time it's Kess. Kess? Anyway, so Kess. He's like a 12 year old boy or 10 year old or something. He's 12. This... He says he's 12. He says he's 12, which means she left when he was nine. Nine. Yeah. But the others were babies. So at one point, what I actually loved about this movie is whenever there's like the three boys that kind of come as a package. The other two just kind of fade away when not needed. And it's like whenever she's talking and like blatantly talking about the other boys, like, oh, I didn't care about the other two brothers. They're in the same room three feet away. (laughs) And they're just like, yeah, what? They just apparently they're literally in the background. (laughs) Right. Right. So there's really like only one of the sons that we actually need to care about. His name is Kess. Kess? To do a little character painting on, on Jamie Lee Curtis here. A... I don't know what she does for a living. Like, obviously, like, her She's family comes from She's money. Rich, yeah. Because she visits her mother, Vanessa Redgrave, who, really, good casting she choice. She is the I, best part of this movie. Yes. Well, also, I think that, realistically, she kind of looks like she could be Jamie Lee Curtis's sure. mother. Especially the way that they style them. Yeah. Yes, sure, sure, so sure. I was like, you know what? I see it. I'm on board with this. I approve of this casting decision. It's just unfortunate this casting decision came inside this movie. But... <laughs> uh, but she's always dressed to kill in a sort of odd or early 90s sort of way. Like the first time we see her at the school, mm-hmm. she's wearing like super short skirt, mm-hmm. but she's got like the that fierce red, red jacket like, with like yeah, yeah. shoulder pads and gloves. I'm like, is it cold or hot? I can't no, no, tell. It's, it's <laughs> Clueless meets Cruella de Vil. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, there we yeah. go. She's got, yeah, she's got a crazy like blonde Yeah, it's like this too. hard yes. short haircut. Yeah. That, she it, it, it really is, is like how it and she's wearing sunglasses all the time and she says at some point to like Peter Gallo she's like oh I've taken an apartment in the city and her apartment is like this presidential <laughs> <Yeah>. suite <laughs> what is that place though it's like this weird art nouveau nightmare like her bathtub is bigger than my living room with and, a mirror over it yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, and we'll get to that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just this huge, massive, high ceiling, like baroquely decorated, and it's like per- like deep purpley, um, or like gold walls. in the hallways, or yeah, yeah, like the living room is all purple. The and molding is all like 
Not that Strain. the house that she left behind the family in isn't its own ridiculous yeah. that's mansion. Big, that, of that's a... like big in like a normal rich person way. Right. But, but right. That, like that house is weird. Like yes. there's like indoor windows between inside rooms mm-hmm. with blinds on them. <laughs> right. And you're like, is this a loft? Is this what, like, yeah. what? Yeah. How does this house connect? I mean, I get it. The dad's like Peter Gallagher's an architect. So because like, everyone in a 1990s movie, mm-hmm. you, every, every man, a banker very or an architect yeah, so that's very it. respectable there's, there's position two employee, like, yeah, two but jobs. like yeah the house was weird I take it he didn't design the house I thought it was her house yeah right? because like oh. she that's she, why they she were, comes like, from money because like Vanessa Redgrave like also lives in a mansion yeah so Vanessa Redgrave is some waspy holdover living I think this is in California yes. I th- yeah, yeah I noticed the license plates I was, I was oh there oh, we go there okay. we go mm-hmm. and Vanessa Redgrave has stayed in touch with the family so we, we should explain a little bit yeah more of, like, she's on setup. better terms with her son-in-law and grandkids than she is with her daughter yeah Correct. she's like our, get rid of her like yeah she's like, <laughs> right. like I've disowned divorce her that point. yeah oh honey leave him <laughs> you do realize Robert's filed for divorce frankly I've encouraged him but then there comes a later point in the movie where you realize like why Jamie Lee Curtis is supposed to be like damaged by like her father and like uh, the mother seems clear, no. <laughs> uh, I have a theory. Okay. I have a theory, but we should get there because that's after the movie has taken several left turns. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, it's weird because as the, when the movie starts, it, all you know is that it's supposed to be some kind of erotic thriller, and you don't really know who the protagonist of this movie is or who's really we're supposed to be rooting for. You're not sure at the very beginning if. Peter Gallagher is going to kill her so that he can move on with yeah, his new life. Yeah, because he jokes about it. He jokes about it, and the lawyer's like, well, just don't get caught. Yeah. Uh, and then, Which or, would make a great trailer right, line. Right. I was thinking that. It was very that. And then, <laughs> or Jamie Lee Curtis isn't full-blown psycho at the beginning. She's she's right. not anything acceptable because she just kind of shows up and, like, walks into her old house and, like, doesn't be like, I've, I've come back and I'd like to see the kids. She just, like, shows up and expects people to be okay. We don't and, really know what she wants because she's like... right. At first, she just she says she wants her kids, and then she says she wants uh, Peter Gallagher, mm-hmm. and right. then she, and then it just turns out she just wants Callie out of the picture. Like I don't know, I don't know what it is exactly. But then she also will just like settle for Cass as well. Like yeah, right. it, it's like yeah, what she wants kind of varies depending on who wrote that scene. Yeah, <laughs> right. This and had I, three writers, by the way. So <laughs> really, because it feels like it had a half of one. <laughs> Although apparently the main screenwriter, I looked this up because I was like, what else did this? Nothing. nothing. The, this person has done nothing. <laughs> and this was his last film ever. He had a career of about 10 years and this is what finished it. Wow. He was just like, nope. You want some fun IMDb trivia on yes, this? please. Well, you can't because there is none. <laughs> <laughs> when I went to go look up trivia it said be the first to add trivia (laughs) Uh, this is based on a novel and the the novelist has written nothing else of of any kind of is this maybe this is like the curse of this movie we're never gonna do another episode after this this well Mm. I don't know. Peter Gallagher climbed out of the wreckage. That's true. So did, did he (laughs) to what the OC while you were sleeping maybe uh, Jamie Gall- Lee let's, Curtis. Let's, no, no, no. Let's let's talk about Peter Gallagher for a second. Peter Gallagher is basically the TJ Maxx of Benicio del Toro. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like he's he's like he looks like he's actually cleaner and prettier, but he's just made out of cheaper plastic. He's he's shopping at Forever Twenty One when you're thirty six. Yes, <laughs> that is exactly what. <laughs> it sounds, so it sounds like you guys are, are quit it. 
Peter Gallagher. Oh yeah, hit it or quit. I have a I have a big question here, Peter Gallagher, hot or not? not. I think we're all firmly in the not. <laughs> I don't know. I went back and forth. Really? Yeah. Can you really imagine those eyebrows climbing up on top of you for sex? <laughs> or his <laughs> trout face? I mean, it's, I know, I know. I knew you were going to bring this up, Matt. So that's why the whole time I was watching it, I was, that was another well, thing. Who else am I going to say hit it or quit it? Cass? Cass? <laughs> is this just another example of Hollywood foisting uh, men on us and saying this is a handsome person? So, in, in our basic instinct ep- episode, Ryan was like, I feel like Michael Douglas is just someone that, like, Hollywood said, "Here's an attractive person, and like he had a voice, or you know, I mean, does he? Does Michael Douglas make you moist? No, <laughs> okay, God, no. See, that's but the I, thing. I mean, at least he had something distinctive. There's nothing distinctive about Peter Gallagher. No, at all. besides the eyebrows, really. Yeah. And as somebody with large eyebrows, I feel like I can be like, no, you don't measure up. <laughs> he has no real discernible character. He seems like he's got a lot of opinions and feelings in the first half of the movie and then just kind of shows up places in the second half. Although he's like the only person who doesn't get injured in this whole movie. Yeah. Like all the kids, every single kid gets injured. All three kids gets injured at some mm, point. That's true. Um, what, the fat middle one gets injured? Yeah, he's a car, a car crash. crash. Oh, well. Yeah, yeah, during the yeah. thrilling conclusion. <laughs> uh, right. Hey, I I will defend the last five ten minutes of this. I movie. will not. <laughs> wow. Okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. But mm-hmm. I, uh, you, you guys will have to be, you know, chipping away at me to make me not like it. Fair. Yeah. So Jamie Lee Curtis shows up. She's kind of threatening the 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 new girlfriend, who's the assistant principal at the school where the three kids go. Right. And she's 28, but she's been working there a couple of years. This is a different time when you could get a job without five years of experience at a right. previous job. <laughs> right. And how old is Peter Gallagher supposed to be in this? I'm not sure. I would imagine early 30s. Okay. Mid 30s, okay. somewhere in there. Because it also sounds like they've been dating a a while and you're like did you meet like your first week in town at this new job young yeah. what's her name what's Wally yeah but what's her the actress's name oh I we haven't talked her. about her oh yeah she used She's... to be married to uh, Val Kilmer yes and and has a name of her own yeah um, Joanne Whaley? Whaley? While you two discuss your impressions of her, I'm going to pull up her IMDb bio because it has the single greatest opening line of a bio. But discuss, tell, tell us about who she is and sure, her character. Sure. You know, you wouldn't know what to look at him, but there's only a six year difference between those two Peter Gallagher and oh, okay. Miss Joanne Wally Whaley. Um, so I'll still throw that in the age appropriate category. Because Peter Gallagher looks like he's in his deep 40s. Yes. <laughs> he kind of always did. He went the uh, Willie Nelson route, where it's like he was young, 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 like took one toke pot and then like became old, old all at once. <laughs> Peter Gallagher's got like that face. Like I feel like he's looked like he's been in his deep 40s since he was like 25 uh-huh. and just like froze it there. Maybe we should talk about the opening scene because there's a lot that kind of cues you into what kind of movie you're yeah, signing on something, for. Something, something, frogs. Something, oh, the dissection. Something, like shots of, of just droplets rippling in, mm. in the water. Oh, the credit sequence? The credit yeah. sequence. Yeah. And also, like, this kind of hazy outline of Jamie Lee Curtis's back talking to her lawyer in this yeah. really horrible voiceover <laughs> where she's like, he would never leave me. He would never divorce Divorce? Me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a very tenuous uh, symbolism with the frogs because, like, something about they lay their eggs and then leave the them. Mother to, the mother abandons yeah. them. Right. It doesn't really 
It's not fully fleshed out. Which goes really. right into the opening scene where Kess, who we the first person we actually are introduced to, is dissecting a frog in in his you know biology biology class. class. Mm-hmm. The teacher of whom, a lovely Dr. Cox. Yeah. A lovely, uh, Jones, oh, from Scrubs. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Who is in pre-Dr. Cox mode. He's like, well, it's, it's not getting any deader there, kiddo. You know, <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's doing like proto-Dr. Cox, mm-hmm. the one scene he is in. Mm-hmm. And then Kess goes like full... Ape shit. Ape shit, like... That we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah, and <laughs> we like, need to talk about Cass. <laughs> yeah, and like stabs this frog like several times. This all these animals that are somehow in this room all the, get thrown. Yeah. There's a there's yeah. a this scene there's introduces a the yeah. recurring theme of things being tipped over. So we have like the goldfish bowl, the glass of milk at the apartment, right? Grandmothers. Uh, <laughs> 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 true, true. Things are constantly like getting knocked over, and in the this frog movie. gets back too. The frog motif comes back later. Yeah, at, at yeah. Graves place again. This is one of the reasons why I thought like you're not sure who's going to try to kill whom and what route it's going to go. There's a certain scene where like Jamie Lee Curtis, after she has her kind of vaguely threatening kind of couple scenes, just has two flat out crazy scenes where you're like, oh, and yeah. we're not even going to try to pretend that there's suspense in this anymore. She is just flat out bonkers she goes to visit the assistant principal and she had been like kind of vaguely menacing and like had showed up at the school before then she has this one-on-one meeting with the principal and there's this picture of peter gallagher and and the assistant principal on her desk and she's kind of strokes the frame then she grabs the frame and slams it on her face you really love him don't you yeah very much that's unfortunate And then she starts screaming, throws herself on the bookcase in the back of the room, takes a shard of glass, and cuts her own forehead with it uh, to try to frame this assistant principal. She, she pulls a fear, although I, guess, I think this movie predates fear yeah. by a okay. couple years. So then, like, the, the, the principal bursts in. This is where, like, uh, the movie lost me. Like, <laughs> even more so than anything else. Because the principal busts in, and, like, it just kind of cuts away to this other... Like, clearly, also, the assistant principal is behind a desk, and like eight feet away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're like, clearly this like five two woman has taken Jamie Lee Curtis, bashed this glass on her face, and pushed her back and cut her forehead. She almost lost her job over. She there. almost lost her. But then the police don't show oh, and Jamie Lee Curtis runs away, drives in her car and just leaves. And then that cuts to like Peter Gallagher and the and the talking to the lawyer talking. and she's like, She's gonna price assault charges. Right. And you're like, I'm pretty sure that at a school of all places the police would have been called and there would have been a police report filed and probably yeah. a restraining order put on <laughs> yeah. all of this. And like also her relationship, Joanne Wally's relationship with Jamie Lee Curtis's character makes no sense for the rest of the movie because like at one point Jamie Lee Curtis calls and pretends to be a hospital and says that like Peter Gallagher's oh, character has yeah. gotten into an accident. Which she she was so convincing in like the phone call immediately after that that I thought that it might not have been her that made the hospital call. <laughs> <laughs> I was like because, yeah, like, you hear the voice from, like, the hospital call saying, like, there was an accident. Right, and it's but, like, is this Jude? Her, her husband's been in an accident. And then she's like, no, that's not her. She's like, well, can you call her? This is what a hospital would say. And yeah. then the hospital hangs up. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. like, find her. Right, and then, and then so this this woman who has been attacked by Jamie Lee Curtis and is going through her whole, there's all this stuff going on. 
goes, yes, I'm going to call this woman. <laughs> no. I'm not, no, I'm not going to go to the hospital to see my, you know, uh, fiance, fiance <laughs> uh, or ask how I'm he gonna was okay. I'm going to call his crazy wife. I'm going to call the crazy wife who... I know tried to frame me because yeah. she took a frame to her face. I, I have pulled up her, her biography and I just want to share the greatest oh, yeah, opening yeah. line of, of, of an IMDb bio ever. An arresting, dark-haired stunner of the 1980s and 90s continental filming, Joanne Wally should have made far more of an impact in Hollywood than she did. <laughs> oh. This is bio by Joanne Whaley. Yeah. <laughs> we should mention that Joanne Whaley was also in Twixt. Oh, uh, which uh, a favorite here on the podcast. Favorite here on the podcast. Playing Val Kilmer's wife. Yeah. Or ex-wife or something. I don't know. She divorced him while he had left to go filming. She waited to file the papers. So Oof. he found out while he was staying in a hotel and he heard it announced on the news that he was getting divorced. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know. But, is is that worse or is the, the Mia Farrow getting served divorce papers on the set of Rosemary's Baby mm. by Frank Sinatra? Because mm. he didn't want her to make that movie and she refused to not make that movie. I don't know if this is the court of opinion. Yeah. Really, I mean, I think we've got our hands full with just mother's blood. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, so speaking of court, what are the laws in California? <laughs> because she's the mother, she can basically be on drugs and like, uh, uh, you know, have lots of mental problems and she still can have the kids. The plot device that they keep coming back to is if she goes in for a psychiatric evaluation and she passes, then she like basically wins the kids. Yeah. And it's like an all or nothing like, well, we don't want to do that, like because she's a sociopath, so she'll pass it. And I was like, I, the thing I also don't get about this movie is apparently she just goes full sociopath after leaving the three kids and going to Europe for three years. I'm like, what were those nine years like beforehand? Yeah, because yeah. it, it kind of seems like she was like a with it loving mother. Well, they say she left for three months when right was, after Kess was first born, yes. yeah. and they were like, "That's postpartum. That's fine, you know." But then, and then they're apparently fine for nine years yeah. and two other kids, and then she leaves. Yeah, and then she comes back and she's full sociopath mode. Yeah, like I, I don't was know. Was she not showing signs during those nine years? It's all that Parisian living, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I yeah. know. You know, too many croissants, and then suddenly you're, <laughs> you just snap one that day. That rich cheese. You're spray painting whore on assistant <laughs> yeah. principals, Volvos, You know, that's how they that's how they roll in France. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, I guess the the defining relationship in the movie is is the Kess Judith relationship, right? And at some point, and this really kind of comes out of nowhere. I feel there becomes this creepy incestuous seduction. Yes. And we will talk about that. We should talk about the, uh, the the pivot scene with Benicio del Toro, Peter, Peter Gallagher. Gallagher first, where she's she's like randomly tries to get back with him and like is oh, like sucking and, and his fingers. Yeah. Is this how you are around the kids? No, I'm like I'm this. Like this. Yes, yeah, that's when she loses it. She she he shows up at her ridiculous apartment. Somehow he has a key and gets in. She's wearing like a slinky bathrobe and that's it. Yeah, and it makes and I don't I don't know, but he just like bursts in. No, She's not wearing a bra. Oh, she no. wasn't. Then? Oh no, no, you can like because then he's like she she's like half playing mind games with him for like three seconds because again she hasn't gone full crazy yet at this point in the movie and he's like is this how you are with the kids? She flips off her bathrobe to flash her tits and goes, "No, I'm like this." Is this how you are when the boys are over here? No, I'm like this. <laughs> 
she goes, she goes full crazy in this and over the top from zero to a hundred. Because in this scene. The, the opening scene with Cass uh, uh, trying to dissect the or failing yes. at dissecting the frog. If you were to see that scene alone, and ask like, how do you think the rest of the movie is gonna go? Right. You would think like he kills the mother and based it, on what yes. we're seeing in this scene. Sure. And don't get me wrong. I love crazy Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> and I didn't know that's what I was signing on for. When you pitched this movie to me, I thought it, like she was going to be like the one who was stalked by the ex. I didn't know she was the crazy. Mm, and mm. then in the scene, I love it. But it was just this left turn out of nowhere. And then he leaves. And it turns out the whole thing was just so she could record him saying this like one triggering phrase that she can Which use. really isn't even that incriminating. No. I didn't get it. Like, like, what did he say? He was like, you'll never see the kids again. Stay away from us. Turns out she recorded this to try to play for Cass to get Cass on her side so that she can win his affections. Yeah, she wasn't even doing it for like court. No, I thought it was going to be for court too. And I was like, the rest of this is also going to be on that tape. And you look really not great in this rest of this conversation. That's really one of the scenes that the, the movie just like pivots and you're like, I, I guess. I mean, granted, I think you you are putting this uh, movie under a magnifying glass that it had no intention of being put <laughs> under. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of like the other things that just jumped out as like being like what what movie is this? Like, there are three or four random, really intense jump scares. Yeah, yeah. I I have that note too because they're very effective. They are, and. I mean, they're, they're all place. like dream sequences, though. Like it's like when Peter Gallagher's in bed and like he thinks Jamie Lee Curtis is there, or She's when like, Kess and then Kess has one has at the one end. of Peter Gallagher for some reason. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's supposed to to show that like his loyalty, yeah, yeah, are aligning sure. with Jude at this point, but. Like, they're well done, but, like, they're out of place. But there are lots of those kind of just out-of-place moments in this movie. Or, like, the movie just does something directorial-wise that you're like, that's from this movie? Like, sometimes <laughs> there will actually be, like, a really kind of interesting shot. Like, he's an art... The, the, the father's an architect. And at one point, there's this through-this-glass table from below oh, shot yeah. of these yeah. these figures. Yeah, there's, like, little figurines. Down, and they're, they're yeah. like, uh, like, the little people that you would put on, like, a, a mock-up of a building or a mall sure. or something. And it's a really cool shot. Mm -hmm. And then there's other shots in this, like extreme, massive, like (laughs) terraced zoom ins where it's like, and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, because I feel like the director tried to be like, oh, yeah, this is my time to show my muscle. I'm going all in. Yeah. But it was like they just directed the scene and didn't actually like direct the movie. Like, (laughs) yeah, it doesn't all come together. No. How did this movie get made? Well, this was, uh, this was a period in time when uh, sexy shockers just roamed in the wild. <laughs> this when, was their natural habitat. But what was the sexy in this? The one time that she sucks on Peter Gallagher's fingers before <sighs> then she turns around and slaps him? Well, if incest turns you on. <laughs> oh, and there's the second scene. So th- this is where Arrested Development comes back in because she talks about how she was in labor with Kess for two days and he just didn't want to leave. And uh, that, I just I saw that scene and all I could think of was... Uh, in Arrested Development when Jeffrey Tambor's talking uh, about Buster. He's like, Doctor said there were claw marks on the walls of her uterus. <laughs> <laughs> so at one point, uh, so Jamie Lee Curtis is really, really angling to try to get Kess to be her like kind of minion and also the only one she like kind of cares about. And you don't know about her relationship with her father at this point, which is right. another curveball gets gets thrown in like the second and a half act. <laughs> 
Uh, Very end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the midst of all this crazy, including trying to frame the assistant principal, she somehow still gets to visit the kids. Well, because gets... she doesn't have a job. She's just right. got yeah. time on her right. hands. But also and California like, yeah. law favors the mother. <laughs> right. It's just <laughs> Two like, extremes. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, I'm just going to take Kess. Fuck the other two boys. They're not important to the scene. So they spend like this weekend together and then they had just gone to see a movie and she she like lets him drive, even though she parks the car to get him to start driving at the end of a a tunnel. tunnel. You're like, what? Anyway. Yeah. I I was like, no, (laughs) no. Parking lot lady. Come on. (laughs) Right. So then she's like, that's not far from their house either, by the way, because later, uh, Joanne Whaley's running with uh, the child down oh. through that It's same also like tunnel. on the side of a mountain. Like yes. this isn't where <laughs> well, driving talk about school the 101 goes. <laughs> yes, they are right. talks. Yeah. Oh, God. Throwing you in the deep end, kid. <laughs> Mom's cool. Learn to right. swim. <laughs> oh, but from that scene, they, they have gone to a movie. They come back and she's like, I need a bath. How about you? Mm-hmm. And then Boy. just in full view, basically, of the kid strips down. And then goes to get into this bubble bath and then <laughs> proceeds to like call him in and be like, oh, Cass, let's, 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 let's have a chat. talk. And I was like, is this, is, is this where the, the movie's the, yeah, going this, this is where chat. the eroticism finds its home. Chat it, with you know, mommy. It's a weird thing oh, because if they're man. talking erotic thriller, this is the most sexual of any of the yeah. scenes. Yeah. Save for like a 15 second sequence with Peter Gallagher. Well, the scene is she, she pulls him in and then she tells the story about how Cass was in her for t- for two days before she was able to push him out and or no they cut her they had to they, cut yeah. her and the scar is on her yeah, stomach yeah she's got like so a c-section scar she stands up out of the bath and says guess do you see the scar look at it see this wherever i was i would see that and think of you how much I missed you. Yeah, because Kess asks, like, did you think of me, like, while you were away? Right, because it's the first time at this point in the movie that anybody has asked where she has been. (laughs) Why did she leave or anything? At one point, they also say something that Peter Gallagher tried to send letters to her or something. Yeah, he had sent a a lot of letters and she hadn't come back in contact with them until he filed for divorce. Right, so apparently she was somehow keeping tabs, I'm guessing through Vanessa, but like it's also still makes it sound like she nobody knew where she was and it's like well clearly somebody did. Yeah, Yeah. Because she was probably bankrolling her the entire time. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like this is like super rich white lady problems. Like she doesn't have a job but like she spent like three years like just traveling in Europe and then like she finds out that like yeah yeah, her husband wants to file for divorce, and this just sends her into a rage. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, which we skipped over the scene where she thinks she's somehow going to come back to her family, and she goes grocery oh, shopping. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! And she's like, "Isn't it amazing how much they eat?" three boys at home and then she drives this convertible that she's because of course yeah. on these windy roads <laughs> up to this ridiculous mansion where everyone's living and they're having, having a, barbecue. a cookout yeah. a barbecue with the assistant principal there that's what but that's what sends her over the edge she's just like everything's great i can't wait to waltz in her, here and then callie shows up driving back down the mountain though yes! throwing the bags the best. she just she takes off the sunglasses in a fury and she just flings random bags of groceries into the road <laughs> i just great. remember watching that I was like, you know, you can eat those. (laughs) (laughs) But that was actually one of the best camp moments of this movie. Yeah, that was solid. I laughed pretty loud at that. I was was happy with that. I'm happy with that moment. Jamie Lee Curtis, from a gay man's perspective, Jamie Lee Curtis is like one of the few actresses that I actually think looks better naked. Because 
when she's like she her fashion's fine but she like when she's wearing clothes she's weird angles like she's tall mm-hmm. and she's lengthy and she's got broad shoulders and sort of skinny hips mm-hmm. and sometimes i forget that like jamie lee curtis is a sex symbol but then when she got naked i was like oh no she's got a nice pair on her mm-hmm. of you know hands yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i was like i don't know now i'm seeing it and you know it's the same thing with true lies also from this year sure where it's like she plays like the dowdy housewife really well because she kind of just looks like awkward angles well, until so the, her, she those shoulder pads weren't doing anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, and then she like rips them off and like during the striptease in True Lies, like oh yeah, yeah, no, she's a hot piece. Like mm-hmm. I, like it's easy to forget when she's wearing clothes, mm-hmm. where you know. <laughs> Some actresses make clothes work. And I don't know if Jamie Lee Curtis is one of those actresses. Yeah, she wears a white turtleneck dress at one point in this movie at the hospital. A la Sharon Stone. Okay, so also the opening scene with the weird voiceover and the ripples and the frogs and the stuff. She's running towards the camera in slow motion, but obscured by the water. And she's in this like white pantsuit thing. It's the one she wears to the hospital. Yeah. Oh my God. See, it's supposed to be uh, subconsciously putting this image that she's a frog mother. <laughs> mm. uh, I wouldn't have put her in white, maybe then. Right. Oh, you want this... her in a big green turtle Yes, yeah, exactly. With probably two big eyes on the top of her head. Are you saying this movie was too subtle for you? <laughs> I'm saying she should have been wearing frog prints the whole time. She should have had like flippers on in the bath scene. Yeah, <laughs> this is clearly like when she like sucks on Peter Gallagher's fingers. It's the tongue. It's like oh, that's oh, what that's, oh, that's, that's where that was. Okay, to. yeah, yeah. Oh, she does say she's like. Do you remember the time we did it on the beach? Remember how cold it was? I just thought she liked making bacon on the beach. (laughs) So this is all to say that this is the bathroom scene. We're still talking about the bathroom scene. Boy, I don't know what her end goal was here, but it seemed to work because Kess... Kess? This is like when Kess starts aligning himself with Jude. Yes. Like after the scene. Like in an objective manner, I would say like her tactic worked on him. Mm -hmm. She had successfully seduced her son a la grifters it was it was the role that uh, angelica houston couldn't work out (laughs) she did kind of look like angelica houston's character too now that i think about it with the short uh oh the blonde hair hair. yeah yeah Hmm. red suits yeah so from here the movie just decides to go well there's no (laughs) well fuck it fuck it (laughs) all what is trials like (laughs) oh so there's this random game that the father invented apparently that they kind of make reference to at one point yeah you never actually see the game played out in its entirety so you don't know what a normal round of trials looks like yeah but it's it doesn't of, sound fun at all to it, me. But it's kind of like a courtroom where like somebody's the judge and somebody's the jury and somebody's just randomly put on trial. So Jamie Lee Curtis convinces Kess that he needs to play this game with the Callie, the, the, the assistant principal girlfriend, to scare her off. And then, then they can have a chance to be a family again. But at one point, Kess is trying to do, convince the other brothers that they need to get on board with this. And they're at Vanessa Redgrave's place in one of her like two right. scenes. And uh, she has revealed to Peter Gallagher. Oh, to, what's her name? Oh, to Callie. Callie, yeah. Oh, that's right. That uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's father committed suicide. Judith was in another room when her father climbed out of the window onto the 20th story ledge and simply stepped off. Vanessa Redgrave is 
acting she and kills no it. one else is. Yeah, she's she's in a <laughs> she's in a movie of her own for a minute and it's it's great. It's it is she, I, I loved mean, it. She's great, but you're just like, how did you say these lines? <laughs> and then she sells it that this character has layers she doesn't have where she feels conflicted about, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis's character where she like has some sympathy because she was so fucked up by this like father's suicide. Yeah. But also she's like she shouldn't be around kids. You'd yeah. be a much better mother. And, and it's one of the only like nuanced motivations and nuanced acting moments in the whole thing. <laughs> Immediately, however, the next scene is just Vanessa Redgrave babysitting these three kids who are talking on a staircase for some reason. With about, a lamp on the floor. With a lamp on the floor. Foreshadowing what's immediately about to happen. <laughs> yeah. We were just fooling. We're just playing around. It's you just are game. doing something we're wicked. Just playing around. Please don't call it. You are wicked. You're just, just like her. Around. I like to think it was Vanessa Redgrave herself that actually fell down those stairs at that moment. Not a stunt person. She does all her own stunts. Yeah. <laughs> it's that kitchen sink drama that Vanessa Redgrave cut her teeth on that taught her to right. like throw herself into the role. <laughs> right. No, no, I'll fall down the stairs. No need for a stunt person. But so anyway, she takes a horrible spill down the stairs. And that's kind of what kicks off. The final, because it's a it, weird final act. Yeah, the, the movie does like certain like it ramps from like zero to like ten in like the blink of an eye. Like the scene where Jude is in the assistant principal's office yeah. and smashes yes. her face. Like Out suddenly, like we're watching like a, a high octane thriller <laughs> <laughs> for three minutes and forty five seconds. Yeah, and then it calms back down for another hour. <laughs> it's a thrilling conclusion that we're throttling towards. <laughs> That I just don't understand. Because they're also still like revealing plot details at that point. And yeah. It's like, it's just, they're like throwing them out really fast. Like, oh, also, I guess Jamie Lee Curtis's character was molested maybe by, by her father. father. I have to take you away from him. Shut up. He committed a great sin. Shut up. Wicked man. Poor girl. Great sin. Great sin. Great sin. From your father. Also, we never find out what happens to her. No, that's like the last scene with Vanessa Redgrave, I think. Right, yeah. And we don't know if she dies or not. We don't know her. Re- it, it, uh, it's like needs? in Black Swan, the scene with Winona Ryder where she stabs herself in the face. We don't ever see her after that. So yeah. we don't know the fate of Winona Ryder. <laughs> We're just left to wonder. Winona yes. Ryder, of course, is the Vanessa Redgrave for our generation. <laughs> <laughs> How do the kids end up alone with the assistant principal? The father goes back to the hospital to look after Vanessa yes. Redgrave. Somehow, while they're off being whatever, the, the father and the three kids, the assistant principal is at their house for some reason. And uh, Jamie Lee Curtis has gone home, had her crazy fit where she punches through a window mm-hmm. and just like goes nuts on this townhouse, yeah. penthouse apartment. And, and then she calls up and fakes the accident. She tells Callie to call the wife, Jude. Right. And, but then she does... But Jude's not home. Right, and then she goes... And that's what confused me. I was like, wait, did she just hang up and then leave immediately? Because I was like... All all Callie did was like hang up the phone and call Jude, and now Jude's already not at no, her apartment. No, but Jude apartment. answered, and she that's when she says like... You just left five minutes ago. We were fucking. I can still taste it. It's also just Jamie Lee Curtis in silhouette. And, and it's like, you, you see like... The, her bloody hand on the phone and like oh, we I actually like all that we I, haven't no, talked about it. it yet but like this movie is the most ambitious lighting design I've seen <laughs> since American Anthem 
I don't know. Just the colors they chose and the everything. Col- it's like it's... really dark and blue at uh, night. Yeah. And... But only when they care because the rest of the time it just looks like a generic 90s movie. Yeah. yeah. It was like Crimson Tide style where they just like <laughs> a lot of flat lighting and then ever so often they'd be like, here's the red part. <laughs> but that's also like what he was doing with like the camera angles and that kind of stuff. It was yeah. like normal, 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 crazy zooms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but there's this really weird, never really explained moment where is she setting her plan into motion then? Well, I was confused as to when she explained the plans to the kids. I think she explained it to Kess after the bathtub scene-ish. Okay. And, and then he explained it. I just feel it. like a lot of time went by. Yes. Between like, because yeah, if it was right after the bathtub scene, I feel like a couple days went by. That's a long time to like count on a 12-year-old to like follow through <laughs> with a intricate plan. Yeah. Also, somehow, did the plan involve pushing Vanessa Redgrave down the stairs? Because otherwise, mm. the rest of her plan doesn't work either. And then how were they supposed to coordinate? Exactly. So Why did they have to wait no until 10? Okay, we need to Is that when JLC her... was going to show up? Or why Peter was she Gallagher waiting until 10? leaves the kids alone with uh, Callie. Callie at the house yes. to go check on Vanessa Redgrave at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the kids are alone with Callie and they decide they're going to do trials because Kess has convinced the other brothers. This is what they're going to do. And they end up, there's these random handcuffs that they play with the entire time, which is never explained. I think they just found him in his sex drawer. <laughs> what if they came out with like a big, like double ended dildo and they're like, <laughs> what's like, this? It's a, sword. it's a baseball bat. Yeah. That's mommy and daddy's baseball bat. Oh, <laughs> let's play baseball stars. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they, they end up playing trial and they, they have been completely traumatized at this point. They've seen their grandmother push down the stairs. Oh. They are up at like, you know, past their bedtime. Their assistant principal is babysitting them, who is also fucking their father. Their mother is somewhat in their life, but somewhat not in their life. Who knows? Yeah. Their father has just left to go to the hospital. Work? No, to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, he's he's sometimes randomly working. emergency. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And so they they end up playing trials with her. And at part of it, they handcuff her. And she's sitting in this chair. And then at one point, they they like... Hits her with the gavel? The gavel is a meat tenderizer. Yeah. Yeah. And he casts like hits her and she like falls back and hits her and passes out. So then while she's passed out, they like handcuff her to the chair and like tie her to the chair. Tie her legs up, yeah. And Kess is like, we have to keep her here till 10. We have to keep her here till 10. Because apparently Judas said this at one point that, you know, that's part of her plan. Keep her there till 10, yeah. Right. And then it all, she's like trying to convince the kids like, you know, to untie her and you don't really want to do this. The youngest kid who's like, what, six, gets this glass of water. He slips on like a toy fire engine. He's jaunting over. Because the assistant principal has coughed. Yeah, she coughed like, like, I'm getting Cali water. (laughs) And you're like, oh, smooth writing here. And he trips and the glass shatters and it drives a massive shard into his chest. Like the grifters. Oh yeah, but yeah, he bleeds a lot. He bleeds a lot, but then and immediately somehow he's fine. Also, because he's totally conscious the entire time, and nobody's really worried. The Haven't you aren't... seen Macbeth when that kid gets stabbed and he like walks over to him and he's like, "Oh mother, I think he's killed me." <laughs> like it's the same situation. They're just right. they're well, channeling like... Macbeth yeah. in this scene. That's all. But it's just it's bizarre because like the kid's now bleeding. The other two boys are like, oh, "I guess we should do something about it," but not till after ten, and it's only nine thirty. I'm sure he'll be fine. 
fine till then. Yeah. And then one of the brothers is like, well, can we let the dog in? Because the dog is barking and that'll make us all happy and feel good. Well, the bleeding kid's the one who's like, I want Jocko. The dog. Uh, like, I need comfort in my final hours. The dog, was <laughs> right. the dog's name Jocko, Jocko. or Chaco? Yeah. No, Jocko, as it Ch- says in the credits, because he gets a credit. Oh, yeah? What's like the dog John actor's the name? Dog. <laughs> John, John Which the dog. Is John the dog's my Friday night. Nickname. I see. Johnny Kunani sometimes, but John the dog on Friday nights. So the kid's bleeding out and whatever, and then like Kes goes to get the dog, leaving the middle brother and the younger brother and Callie alone. The middle brother unties Callie so that Callie can help with the youngest brother. Who then Callie proceeds to not call nine one one or take the car? Why, or oh, take, she couldn't get the keys in. She so she was she scared of Kes. No, 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 no. She picks up the youngest kid like he's nothing and starts carrying him. Well, can't get into the car because the middle brother has the keys. Doesn't oh. take the keys from the middle brother. The middle brother goes, no, I won't let you in the car. Kes wouldn't like that. Right. So she proceeds to start running <laughs> up the road and down the hill carrying this yeah, bleeding Yeah, that was really confusing to me. So, all right, Jude has cut the brakes in the car. Right. Yes. The idea is that Callie... I don't know how was she gonna knew drive at, at 10 p.m. Drive. was going to be leaving. And that's when Jude was supposed to show up with the dog to make her swerve on the road at 10 p.m. Yes. To make her swerve off but the road But I want to know how Jude knew that Callie would be driving away in that car. Like, I can see part of the dominoes, like, falling, like, but you know. But there's also, no, there's so no dominoes there either, because she's like, don't let her leave till 10. It's like, well, she's not going to leave until Peter Gallagher gets home anyway, because otherwise they'd be leaving the three traumatized kids home alone. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like, what do you mean don't let her leave? She's babysitting. She's <laughs> yeah. spending the night. It makes yeah. no sense. Yeah, the, yeah, you don't need to hold the babysitter hostage necessarily, because, yeah, the babysitter's not going anywhere right. until yeah. the parent or guardian returns. Right. And so... So, in, in theory... She could have like left the kids in the trials part out of the equation, oh, yeah, and then just been like, make sure Callie isn't doesn't see me cut the brake lines. But I mean, something Jude's plan must have like you have to do something to make her want to drive away. I guess trials was just to make her leave and abandon like, to the three scare kids, scare her away, right, maybe. But, like, She's not going to abandon the three kids there. She's an assistant principal. She's not an idiot. It's like, why would she just be leaving these three kids even if she played a bad game where they were kind of creepy? Because, to be honest, Kess has been creepy already because Kess was sent at the very beginning of the movie to her office being like, I stabbed a frog a lot. She's like, not again. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, she already knows that Kess has problems. I don't know. It's just, it makes no sense. Kess decides that now's the time to put those driving skills to work. Because she has taken off with the youngest kid. That's right. Because Callie is running down the road yeah, with this down bleeding this, like, out huge, like running down like Mulholland Drive yeah. <laughs> I've, I've imagined calling, it was the Pacific Coast Highway oh, okay. <laughs> not calling for help not not calling 911 just this bleeding out kid who's probably well, they dead do, at this point yeah. they do call someone on the phone but uh, Kess like yanks the plug right, out of it at some yeah. point cause you know that mansion has one yeah. phone line especially when <laughs> he does a lot of his architecture just work just pulling there. out the cord just disables, disables the phone yeah, yeah, forever yeah. forever and so then it turns out that the dog is barking because Jamie Lee Curtis has the dog and she's going to yeah. throw a tennis ball so that the dog will chase it so that the car in the middle will of the road swerve. But the, like, you know, yeah, because the brakes have been cut so they can't just stop for the and dog. And they will, they will fly off an embankment and, the, and the, the, the Callie will die in a fiery car crash. Which, if you're cutting the brakes, do you need the... The rest the of the plan. <laughs> can't you just like cut the brakes and be and done with it? And wait for a yeah, curb to come? It's a curve. 
I mean, really, you could just throw anything else out into the middle yeah, of the road. Right. <laughs> or it's just, the, but no, we need this dog and this tennis ball. I don't know. So anyway, anyway. Cass is driving, and this middle brother is in the car. The brake line's been cut. They realize they can't stop. And then Jamie Lee Curtis tries to do the dog thing, and then they swerve. They go off the embankment, and then through the tunnel comes running Callie with the bleeding six-year-old. Yeah. And Jamie Lee Curtis is like, wait a minute, you're supposed to be the person I sent flying off the cliff. So the two boys are like on this embankment on a tree branch. Classic tree branch. scenario. Classic uh-huh. scenario. We've all been there. When Callie's going down there, because like they make it look really steep and like basically if you slip, you will die. Right. Uh, and I'm like, she immediately like slips a little bit down the rocks. I'm like, what's your game plan here, Callie? <laughs> yeah. Like, it doesn't look like this is something that you can just like walk right out of. And I'm like, all right, so this car is hanging like or, or being supported only by this like dead tree branch, like yeah. sticking out of the side of the mountain. I'm like, and the first thing she does is jump on top of the car. No. I'm like, ah, oh, Jurassic Park was already out at this time. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so they get the middle boy out, and then it shifts, and Callie almost falls off. Right. Yeah. And then Jamie Lee Curtis comes cannonballing in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the car doesn't move when she jumps on the car. It, well, she's so frog-like in her approach. <laughs> there, yeah. <she laughs> the gracefulness of her landing. Up to it. Right. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis tries to convince Kess to give up Callie's hand, and she's like, "Kess, give me her hand." No, Kess. Give me her hand. I'm stronger than you. I can save her. So then she has the hand of Callie and she goes to drop her. And then Callie's still holding onto the car with her other hand. Yeah, she's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to trust you one bit. Right. The car shifts. Jamie Lee Curtis goes flying off yeah. into, into the pit. And Which we, I did like. That Which, shot was good. That's the end, basically. That's, well, the, no, there's still one. There's, you got, you got the final, final. I know, but I mean, like, that's basically. <laughs> Take it, Matt. Oh, I, I mean, it's just like what it, they're back in the hospital. Kess has he's like in like the morgue area ostensibly, and is like because this is how hospitals work. Great place to put he, him. He starts pulling like the sheet back, and but then it's like it's not just like the jump scare from the cadaver. It's like a nurse comes in that's also his mother. Like yeah. all the people in the room are his mother. <laughs> Uh, and then it's just a daydream, and he wakes up, and his father's like, "Oh, you'll be okay. You'll Daddy's be okay. Here. Daddy's yeah. here." And Callie's still there, and I'm like, "Yes, the 28 year old assistant principal who seems to have dated nobody else, who has had this like whole like relationship with these three crazy, you know, kids, and this father who has no discernible personality, and also was kind of going to cheat on her to get back with his wife at one point, is just like, yeah." I'm good with this. I'm I'm totally signed up. <laughs> like, I'm really gonna now. stick through it. Hey, stick love it is out. a rocky road. Even you know? though I almost apparently people think I stabbed this woman and now this woman has fallen off of a cliff and I see <laughs> I'm at the her scene kid, of the crime. And I'm at the scene of the crime. I'm clearly gonna not have any repercussions from this. <laughs> I'm sure it's all explained in the book. <laughs> yeah. Right. Also one of the children is bleeding out. We don't know the fate of the of the right, little one. He's never seen again. Maybe he's dead. Yeah. I'm sure he's the fine. six year old's probably dead. Vanessa Redgrave is probably like a vegetable at this point. Um, And then you're kind of left. It just goes into this like, call me by your name, staring into the camera of the of the of the young boy looking distraught. And it's just Kess staring into the camera. And you're like, okay, well, he's clearly going to be a serial killer. The cycle continues. Yeah, the 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 cycle continues. Like the the trauma that uh, Jude had from her father will be passed on to Kess. Scars. 
Scars. So what I'm saying is, <laughs> we need to we need to make a sequel to this called Daddy's Girls. Yeah, and it's Kess. Uh, that one sounds know, a lot more rapey. Hey, listen, <laughs> he's gonna fun. stand up in the bathtub and be like, "This, <laughs> yeah, yeah. this is the organ I used to make you." <laughs> Don't worry, though. He won't be naked. He'll be in a frog suit. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Mario 3 style. Yeah. <laughs> Who is this movie for? This is like your first date after your divorce. <laughs> <laughs> you you need something to like get like the 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 wheels grinding again but like you can't go to like a slasher flick where there's like teenage titties like you need to see something where there's like women your age titties don't you think that would be a little traumatic after your divorce <laughs> just being like it's not it's for cathartic with, this no, it's mo- not for oh. anyone with kids though this movie reflects the human drama and isn't that the essence of art <laughs> wow, silence. Podcast over. <laughs> so before I forget, I want to give a quick shout out to Scarecrow Video. Oh, yeah. As this movie was not really available any place to watch. And no. probably shouldn't be available there. Uh, so I had to like rent a DVD and then like make copies, like digital copies or like loan the DVD out to all three of us here so that we could all bask in the glory that is Mother's Boys. <laughs> Scarecrow Video, the largest selection of video anywhere on the planet. Yes, locally owned and independent. You know, they're going through the uh, through a, a drive right now, so if you want to toss them some coins, go for it. Uh, well, okay, are you ready to hear about yeah. next week? What, what do you got for me next week? We've been dealing with a lot of reality lately, I feel. Maybe heightened realities this season, and it's time to just go out into space. We've also just passed 75. This is episode 75 that mm. we're doing, and which is a pretty big number, so I feel like celebrating a little bit. And I'm going to do one of my favorite movies, all-time favorite movies. I've talked about it before. I'll talk about it again. The Fifth Element. Oh, okay. I'm so glad that you, <laughs> you decided to have me on as the episode before. <laughs> the Fifth Element. You missed it by one. You know, the one with an opera scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, do you have any... Uh, Twitter that, that you want people to follow? Yes. If you think that random opera rants and movie quotes and a little bit of sass is your thing, then you can follow me on Twitter at John M. Coons. Uh, that's J-O-H-N, because H in case of emergencies, and Coons like raccoons. It's a delight following you on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you're a good addition to our three pillars of uh, leftist outrage, movie news, and thirst traps. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm two out of three. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, follow us on Twitter at X Rated Movies. Mm-hmm. We've also would love it if you would go over to whatever device you're listening on or service you're listening on and give us a review and give us some stars. That's a good way for strangers to find out about us. Leave us some love. Leave us love. And to find out even more, go to our website xratedmovies.com. That's got everything we've ever done on it. Uh, you can also send us an email, x.rated.movies at gmail.com. And like us on Facebook, at RatedXMovies. Thanks again, John. Yeah. Thank you so much. We should have you back again. Yeah. I would love that. All right. We'll be back next week with Fifth Element. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Bye.